Hey, I'm Steve Foll and welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that puts you in control of your freelancer finances. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash beingfreelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for illustrator Mel Chadwick. If I look back at the correspondence I had in the early days and I look at the prices, I think, oh my goodness, Mel, what were you doing? When you're drawing and you're just drawing from what's in front of you, everything else switches off. And I just saw the benefits for me going out and doing that every day. When I did craft fairs, the bit that I loved about craft fairs was actually talking to my store neighbours. And so it was from that that I then thought, yeah, I'm sure other people will be interested to see behind the scenes and where they work and how they do it. That's all you can do really, is just do your best for each client and treat them all as individuals. So there is Mel, who I'm so excited to talk to. I'm a big fan of Mel's YouTube channel in particular, her vlogs, but also her creative conversations, which are a bit like this. She goes out and speaks to freelance creatives and creators in Cornwall, which is where she's based in the UK. But she does it on YouTube, so much more detail than I do. She's filming their work, how they work, their actual conversation, and they are beautifully made and just a joy to watch. So um, yeah, obviously there'll be a link at beingfreelance.com but I hugely recommend checking out her creative conversations um, as we come to the end of season eight was eight wasn't it was anybody keeping count gonna be taking a break over the summer if you're listening to this as it goes out August 2019 um, I've been toying with the idea of taking some of the Facebook live stuff that we do in the being freelance com- community and putting some of that out as podcasts that may happen it may not. <laughs> I, I, I never quite know whether, you know, I don't really want to mess with like the format of the show and the way that you hear for conversations. But I tell you what, over in the community, you'll, you should come and join us. The Facebook lives that we do are amazing. Um, Paul Jarvis, Kate Toon, Dave Smythe, Luan Wise. Uh, we have Ross and we've had Kelly. Oh, and we've we've had so many this year and you can watch them all again in the videos tab of the Facebook group. So yes, I, I sometimes feel like maybe I should take bits of those and put those out as extra podcasts. But hey, that's also creating extra work for myself at the sunniest time of the year when I feel like I should be eating ice cream only. So who knows? Might happen. If not, season nine will be back in September so make sure you've hit subscribe so you get the podcast automatically when they come out um, and yes if you want more freelancing podcasting joy in your life in between that don't forget I do for doing it for the kids podcast for freelancing parents as well with Frankie from the doing it for the kids community so search for that and you'll find me there um, right now though should we crack on and talk to this week's guest and that is freelance illustrator Mel Chadwick hey Mel hi Steve <laughs> So excited. This is so funny because I have been following Mel online for quite a few years and she's been following me. But as in like we've been watching each other, I think we both started doing YouTube at a similar time. Well, I think you might have started it sooner than me, but I found your channel and I was like, oh, someone else is doing YouTube that I found interesting and who was a freelancer. So, yeah. 
fan. <laughs> yeah, I I remember watching your very first one, and since then we've been like cheering each other on, but um, have never actually. So it feels like we've spoken, even though we've just realised actually we never have. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to this. How about as ever we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Okay, it is a very long story, but I'm hopefully it won't be too kind of windy. Please stop me, Steve, if I am going off. <laughs> Okay, so I graduated in fine art back in 2002, which is completely different to what I do now. So I graduated from Chichester and then got married. And then we moved to Hong Kong in 2006. In between that time, I was kind of working for myself, but I was also doing like visual displays and murals, painting murals in a, in a local school and doing workshops so we once we moved to Hong Kong I couldn't work for six months because it was on a uh, the type of visa I was on and finally that changed and then I was able to work and I trained as a kinder music teacher and then also started teaching kids again art oh nice what what what, what did you do in that six months when you were there but you weren't allowed to work you know what? I can't remember. <laughs> I think all I did was I, I became, I was a tourist, a proper tourist. And I just visited and went round and looked at so many different kind of places. Hong Kong, if you've ever been, been there, is just, it's overwhelming because the amount of people, but also the skyscrapers and the noise. But it's also, also beautiful at the same time because it's just so diverse and actually, when I was in Hong Kong, it was when I started to see, like, illustration everywhere. Like, in shopping malls, they had these massive shopping malls and just were full of art and murals. And I just thought, what is this? I want to do this. <laughs> and so it was actually switching on little light bulbs in my head, thinking, this is what I actually want to, I want to go and do that. And so that was, like, the start of it. Even though I'd had a degree in fine art... I just, for some reason, just wasn't switched on to to illustration. So you find yourself teaching Chinese children English and art, or just art, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So most of the children in Hong Kong anyway, they're very um, good at speaking lots of different languages, so they would normally be able to speak English anyway. So there are a lot of international schools as well, and so it was pretty easy to to teach a lesson in English and then I would just do an art kind of workshop more like an after-school thing or you know something that they could just enjoy and be a part of and relax a bit yeah so we were there for two years and then we moved back to the UK so when did you come back to the UK what year was that 2008 and what did you do then well we moved to Scotland we were in Aberdeen, so very cold, very different to Hong Kong, completely different climate, you know, it's really humid in Hong Kong and it was really dry and cold and I think we spent the years that we were there just freezing. But when I got, when I got to Aberdeen, I just fell in love with just the skies and the landscape because having been in Hong Kong for those few years and not really seeing the horizon... You suddenly go to Scotland and you've got this amazing kind of landscape. The light is very different. And so I started painting again. 
but I still had the idea of you know the illustration so I just set about basically teaching again I started teaching adults so there's a big oil industry in Aberdeen and I went and approached some of these companies and said look I can give your your workers maybe some classes they can do after work in art so I did that and they went really well so I was teaching these adults after they've done like their full day of work and teaching art to them Um, and then whilst I was building up you know some income I then was able to purchase my first Mac and then purchase the software that I knew I had to learn so Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Photoshop and I basically was teaching myself how to do that whilst I was teaching others how to do art. So so that whole time you, you are self-employed. Yeah. You're, you're going out there and making that opportunity, going out. I'm like, a lot of people wouldn't make that connection to go up to, you know, oil rigs type company and say, <laughs> yeah. how about I teach you fine art or, or whatever? Yeah, it was pretty much that. It was, you know, using the skills, I guess, that I had from my fine art training that I knew that I had a goal in mind. So from building that revenue, I was able to then kind of start building my portfolio and start setting myself briefs, so illustration briefs, and then build a website and start putting stuff on there. And then also in Aberdeen, I found a screen printing studio. And that's when I started to learn about screen printing. And then that kind of helped me for my next chapter which was when we moved down to Falmouth in 2011 and I was able to then set up a a screen printing studio and started to print my designs onto things and then sell those things. By the way just to put this geographically in perspective if you're not from the UK uh, so Aberdeen is right at the top in Scotland and Falmouth is right in the opposite corner down in Cornwall so it's like right in the bottom left hand corner of the UK basically yeah exactly okay so maybe so you start to warm up for a start so, so now you've actually got a screen printing business yes and I, so I was doing t-shirts and bags and tea towels and anything I could print onto really I started a brand name called Melly B it became my full-time hustle for a while Um, but it was basically my brand and I would just design and then I would uh, burn it onto screen and then print it off and onto the different things and then sell those to shops locally and then I would uh, sell them to you know all over the UK I even had uh, people in Australia buying from me at at one point which was a bit crazy that must have given you a pretty big boost in confidence yeah I guess it it's it kind of was like oh well someone must like this so <laughs> and and definitely in terms of like my illustration style I was beginning to kind of get to know that and beginning to kind of just grow it and and build my confidence in that so you were literally knocking on shops doors were you Yeah, so I started just with where I was in Falmouth. And Falmouth is, um, you know, you've got the big art college here anyway. And actually, illustration is is quite well known to the people in Falmouth area. It's well known for illustration. So people could relate to what I was making. And I found that it was was easier to, to make a way in that area because people knew what illustration was. And I seemed to fit quite well. 
So you're getting it into shops, you're selling it online. So, so what happened next? So at this point, you're, you're not doing illustration for clients. It, it's product-based, yeah? Yeah, it's more product-based. I guess it's me who's setting the briefs and then showing what I could do with it and how it could look. And so any images then that I would get you know from that I could then use into my portfolio so in the background I was still working on this illustration side of things so a portfolio and then if there was a design that really worked well and I really thought it was good and strong enough I would then slip that into my illustration portfolio and then any time that I had I would start looking if there were opportunities so like competitions or possible collaborations with people like I would then start to I, I looked back through my emails at the first time that I actually approached someone that I thought I could work with and it was back in 2012 and I just said I think it was the beginning of the year and I said something like I'm an illustrator I'm building my business would you be interested in me designing something for your brand for your for your business and and I <laughs> when I was looking back I was thinking how did I do that I mean how did why did I do that but I was just amazed at you know sometimes you just have to do it you just have to kind of go ahead and, and give it a go and the response I had was positive and we went forward and that was my first kind of commissioned piece or you know so I was like oh <laughs> yes yeah, so, so, I mean so what happened from from there did it just gradually build sending more emails like what were you doing yeah once I'd done one brief I then put it into my portfolio and then talk about it and kind of share it on social media and then gradually bit by bit I would make more connections more people would like get in touch and or say oh I saw you do this for that person could you do this for me and you just basically just keep slowly doing it you know and and that's how it builds you just each project you do the more confidence you get the more your ability grows as well yeah I I just think it's so important to just put yourself out there because you never know who's going to come back and who's who will have seen your work I mean I remember being at a craft fair and meeting a guy who owned a design studio and that was in 2012 and at the time, he was really enthusiastic about my products that I did. But at the time, it was like, I wasn't sure about the connection, but we made the connection. And now, three or four years after that, he then started giving me briefs and giving me jobs. And he's now one of my, you know, biggest kind of clients that I work with regularly for proper illustration work. So you just don't know where those connections are going to come from, but you've got to be open to actually having conversations with people. And obviously you had a fine art degree, but you obviously learned how to do the art, but did you also learn the art of business? Like, did you ever go on a course or anything like that? Or was that involved in your course or? Yeah, in 2014, I signed up for a course run by Leela Rogers, who is a, a big agent. And um, it was just brilliant such a brilliant course because it's kind of gave me that education about the different licensing markets and 
it was just really good for giving me an overview of what illustration kind of is and the different markets you've got in the, in the field. So you've got all sorts of different markets that you can put your work into. And that was really important, I think, for me to, to understand and understand about licensing as well, which was very different to kind of, you know, graphic design. So up until that point, you're making it up as you go along. In essence, how did you find the the I guess like the the pricing side of things? Yeah, um, it, again, if I look back at the correspondence I had in the early days and I look at the prices, I think, oh my goodness, Mel, what were you doing? <laughs> it's like far too cheap, and you know, I I do think that's more because I was just totally winging it and trying to work it out as I went along. But now I would definitely know. You know, you, you need to know where your value is and it depends all on what kind of work you're doing for whatever market and for what they're using it for as well. So you, it's so important to um, kind of learn those things and really look into it. So the book that I got from the Association of Illustrators, I think the business of illustration, that was so helpful because it, it gives you an overview of, of fees and contracts and pricing guides and all of those kind of terms that maybe, well, you need to understand if you're going to actually have a business or have a viable business. So jumping back into your story, you were doing screen printing and starting to get your first commissions. How, how did it sort of change from there? Um, it just, just grew. I mean, I just, I guess I kept bringing in more interest, more people kept coming in. But where I started seeing the leap was when I actually started taking the business side seriously. So what I, what I mean by that is actually writing a contract, having contracts in place. Because although I had a paper trail like emails, and people maybe agreeing through email, I didn't have proper contracts. And again, that's something that you know you learn over time but it's important to have contracts in place before you do any work and I had been burned a few times where people had said oh yeah I agreed to that I would do the work but then I wouldn't get paid and that really kind of yeah made me think I've got to be serious about this and so when I started taking myself more seriously and my business seriously then I would be able to take on bigger and better clients because then obviously the ones who are just going to be trying to mess you around when you start mentioning contracts they will just go. And you just continue to put yourself out I mean you mentioned social media earlier so it was like I presume Instagram was a big thing for you. Not in the early days. No, not in the early days, because I don't think Instagram really was something on my radar. Not until maybe 2016, maybe. But before that, it was Twitter, actually, where I was doing a lot of talking to people, talking to businesses, talking to other designer makers or designers. And yeah, that was where I was reaching out also to people. It's funny how it, for me, it's changed around. I hardly use Twitter now, but I, I use Instagram more because of the visual content that you can put out on Instagram. But for the initial launch, it was more Twitter that I was using a lot more to contact people. And then also going into shops like magazine shops, like I remember going through all of the magazines in WH Smith and writing down the editors names and addresses and looking at magazines that I think, oh, that would be nice to work for them. 
and then contacting them, telling them about me and then giving them a, a portfolio link. And that worked on a few occasions where like Molly Makes, I had work published in Molly Makes, which is like a craft magazine. And then also another magazine, Ferment, which is a beer magazine. <laughs> but I just I just loved the, um, the, they had some maps and I wanted to do some map work. And I was like, oh, I'd love to do a map and get it published in a magazine. So I just thought, oh, I'll pick that one. And then we just got in touch and they were positive and we got a brief and a contract. It was all great. And then did the work and got published. And you find the more <laughs> the more people you put, you have published, it gives you, again, uh, just a greater confidence then to approach more clients, you know. Were there many occasions where you wouldn't hear back? Yeah, yeah. There were times when I didn't hear anything. And then there were other times when people would write back and just say, yeah, we really like your work. We'll put your name on our file. And then sometimes I wouldn't hear from them. Or then sometimes, like, it may even be a year later that I hear from them. Just because they don't have work for you right then doesn't mean to say that they don't actually like your work. You know, it's normally because they're waiting for the right fit or they're waiting for the right project to come along. So that's why it's always good to put yourself out there just so that they know that you exist and that, you know, I would definitely follow up as well, maybe in three or four months after you've sent an email just to say, hi, uh, I've been working on this, what do you think? Or, you know, if there's any possibility of a project, I'd love to know. So so gradually there's this snowballing in the illustration commissions. Do you still do your own products as well? I stopped doing the screen printing Melly B stuff when I moved to Paul Flevin. So that was in 2017. One, because we would, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the space, but also because I felt I needed to actually niche down into just illustration. And it was too much. It was becoming too much to do both the printing and the designing. And to be honest, financially, there's a lot more of a drain on your resources when you're having to produce. You're not only, you know, producing it, you're photographing it, you're trying to sell it, you're... You spend just a lot more time on the whole thing and on stock. And I just knew that when I moved, when we moved, I had to close that side down and then just focus on illustration. But you still have a store, but is that more like a print on demand type thing, is it? Yeah, I actually in my store, I do have some print on demand like Society6, Redbubble, but I sell mainly workshops, in-person workshops now. And I use that store for that. And that's a... <laughs> Whoa, that, there's another that's chapter. Another, that's another line. <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting as well, because I remember watching you on YouTube making that move. I, I seem to remember where you used to do screen printing. Now now you mention it and sh you showing us screen printing and stuff like that. So the geographical shift again meant you changed like your outlook and, and what you were going to do. Yeah, completely. And it was a really positive change going from Falmouth where, although we're by the sea in Falmouth, I wasn't like really, really close to the sea. And then when we moved to Port Flevin, the house that we were staying in was overlooking the sea and it was just, just beautiful. And there was just, 
I would just be overwhelmed with wanting to go outside. And I, I started then taking my sketchbook with me. And if you've ever been to Port of Levin, you see all of the lovely old kind of fishermen's houses. And just it's based around a harbour. It's really, really Cornish looking. And I would just basically every day about seven go out with my sketchbook when no one else was around and just start sketching. And I did it, used to do it for about an hour at a time or less than that sometimes but it really just got me back into just roaring observing and looking and yeah that again developed a whole new area for me to to go into so actually giving yourself like a daily ritual challenge almost even though it's something you wanted to do that were inspired to do to go out and every day draw something in that sketchbook and then share it as well so every day you'd be sharing it on online yeah yeah and that's what I did. I shared it on Instagram and a lot of people seemed to really enjoy seeing what I was doing. And uh, yeah, again, the relationships then would kind of form because of me sharing that. And again, clients, I'd meet clients because they saw my sketchbook stuff. And I'm working with clients now because of doing what I did back then. And so you mentioned workshops so so did that grow out of that period yeah yeah so going out every day I, I lived in Port Flevin for about eight months and every day I would go out and draw and I just saw the benefits for me like mentally going out and doing that every day taking the time out to just be in the moment you know when you're drawing and you're just drawing from what's in front of you everything else switches off you know your brain switches off you're able to just focus on what it is that you're drawing and I just thought this actually probably would be really good to share with other people and I thought like people coming on holiday or wanting to do something um, in their downtime I just thought this would be great to offer to to people and so that's when I came up with the idea of sketch walks I started them last year in the summer and, and around Port Flevin and people have I think really enjoyed doing them and I'm doing them now this year as well and um, where we go out and we just sketch and we stop and we just look and then we just explore and we just do it for a couple of hours and people are really quite refreshed afterwards and yeah it's really it's really good. So you're selling them via your site as you mentioned but are you are you, are you marketing them locally? Yeah so I market them locally, like with flyers, just handouts, put them on notice boards and Facebook as well. Do quite a bit of advertising, just using Facebook and connecting with local groups, you know, so some people just don't like Facebook, but actually it's actually a really good tool for using to tell about what you do. So that's been really helpful as well to spread the word about the workshops. Yeah, and also run regular workshops as well, like just in a coffee shop. So in Mullion, where we're living now, I um, use one of the uh, local coffee shops to just base myself out of. And so people will come into the coffee shop, have tea, coffee, and then they can do some sketching with me as well. So it means that we both benefit. So the business is benefiting and I'm benefiting and the community benefits when you started doing your youtube channel so you started with vlogs and it was like like i do with mine it was like you'd be filming pretty much every day and like talking to the camera and then show like they're brilliantly edited i love them like did you find that 
made a difference in any way? Yeah. <laughs> Again, it helped so much with talking. Because <laughs> as you can see, I, I kind of, yeah, sometimes it's quite hard for me to stay on one track. And also talking in front of people. So doing the vlogs and forcing myself to actually talk to the camera was just really good practice for that. I think I remember in my first vlog, I actually said I sounded like a robot because <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of not quite sure what I was saying <laughs> and just too aware of like being filmed. But the more I did, the more confident I kind of became and was able to communicate and yeah. Uh, and also through doing the vlogging, I was actually, you kind of raise your profile as well. You're actually saying, I'm here and this is what I do. And it's another, I guess, another tool that you can use for reaching out to people and people getting to know you. Because I feel like I know you well, Steve, because I've seen you on camera and I've heard you. And it's probably more than if, say, I was just reading your blogs I probably wouldn't feel as connected as I do to you because, you know, I've, I've seen you and I've heard your voice. So it's, it's quite powerful having a video, I think, or video in general is very powerful. So it, it gave you that confidence. It let people get to know you. Did clients find you that way? Yeah, I have had a few clients actually through, you know, they've um, watched my creative conversations that I've been doing and... You know, they've been looking for illustrators and because they've seen beyond that, then they've contacted me and said, oh, I saw your creative conversations. I'm looking for an illustrator. So even though in my in, in those conversations, I don't talk about me, <laughs> I'm, I'm interviewing, you know, another creative person. I guess they felt they could trust me and they kind of knew me because they've seen those. So, yeah, they, they've been really good for that connecting with new people. Those creative conversations videos are so beautifully made that like, I know how long it takes to do stuff. <laughs> There's a reason I chat to people on podcasts rather than as well going to their house or their studio and filming it and things like how much of your time were you then given that and, and how are you justifying that to yourself and things like, you know? I guess I just wanted to connect with more people and that was the value that I saw in it. It was connecting with people as a freelancer sometimes you are very much on your own doing the work on your own and I just felt when when I moved I just felt it's time to actually step out of my little bubble and meet people where they are and meet people locally because again I was like maybe communicating with a lot of people all across the country you know across the world even but actually kind of communicating with people and, and connecting with them in my area that wasn't happening so I was like no I need to go and do that and so this it had to be kind of a project that it had to be like under a project it couldn't just be oh, I'll just meet you for coffee <laughs> it could have been but you know that's a bit harder to sometimes get people to agree to if they don't have a clue who you are no it's so true it, give, it, well, it gives you a reason doesn't it like that that initial thing so you you went around and, and met and you you still make them right yeah, I do. Although at the minute I haven't posted one for a little while and I was just working on it yesterday. So I'm hoping in the next week I'll get another one up. But when I did craft fairs, the bit that I loved about craft fairs was actually talking to my store neighbours and finding out about them and getting to hear about how they run their business. And so it was from that that I then thought, 
yet I'm sure people other people will be interested to see behind the scenes and where they work and how they do it um, and that's why I film it why it's not just a podcast it's like I want people to see what they're talking about they are brilliant videos and like the editing like the camera work like everything it's is brilliant. we'll put links of course in the show notes as ever as we do for all of our guests so I mean that all sounds like a lot <laughs> yeah like how, how do you fit everything in because I'm, I'm guessing there's I mean it's nice because there's lots of different revenue revenue streams as well as things you know like doing YouTube which aren't necessarily revenue bringing directly as we both know but presumably you've got client work as well how do you go about structuring your day or your week and like managing that workload when, when you're also committing yourself to other things well <laughs> day by day <laughs> seriously there are moments when things are very full-on and I've got to literally every day just write down what's the priority for that day and it does mean that things that maybe I would love to do I can't do because I've got to actually prioritize like the client work I've got to prioritize paying the bills and yeah that does come first because obviously if I don't pay the bills I don't have somewhere (laughs) to work but then there are times obviously then when it's a bit quieter and then I can work out well what would I really like to do what would I like to focus on for the next month and then I would just basically write down those things that I would like to do and then just work I guess work my way through them obviously there's other things that crop up which I can't plan for but I'm quite flexible I mean if I need to work later I will work later if I work early I will work early like I love waking up really early so say like I've got some deadlines I'll probably wake up you know and start work at seven and because I can do that because I'm working from home then that's how I fit it in it's you know you've just got to you know be flexible and you know I've got a husband who also would like me to be with him at times so I've got to also you know account for that as well and he's good because he will say look I know you've got to work but then you've also got to rest and you've got to switch off so and that's really important that's really important for me to do so it's good that he's he will say that to me and he will say right that's it stop (laughs) otherwise I might just keep working and so in the last couple of years, has there been a change in your like illustration work, in your client work? Yeah, so I've definitely taken on bigger clients and work is like a lot more editorial, as in like maps and like I worked for Virgin, did that some advertising map work for Virgin, which was a complete surprise not quite sure how they found me but you know when you take on a client that big and you know how kind of you know big they are you 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 just think oh my goodness what's going on here (laughs) how did I manage to get this job but I just approach it the same way with all my clients I just look at what they want follow the brief and just deliver just make sure I deliver it on time and that's all you can do really is just do your best for each client and treat them all as individuals and yeah it's been really good and really interesting the the different work that's come in and I've definitely had more local business work this last few years 
And that's probably because I've been working with, well, just working with local clients. So the guy, the guy that I talked about who saw my work through Instagram doing the sketchworks in Port Flevin, he's a publisher and he lives in Port Flevin. And so I've been doing maps. I did a lot of maps for him. And through doing the maps and being published locally, it means then you're going to attract more potential clients and so the last year I've had a lot more maps for like local places, which has been really good because it means I can get to meet my clients face to face and you build that relationship, which is really good. It feels like you're always happy to like experiment with things and try things out. Like, Has there been things which have worked or things which haven't worked so well like that, that maybe we haven't touched upon? I think you've definitely hit it on the head there that I like to experiment and try things out. Sometimes, definitely, as I was starting out, I would get projects come in and I know that I wouldn't have had experience doing it, but I would still go ahead and do it because I think it's important that you just sometimes say yes to things and then you can work it out. I mean, sometimes people are like, how can you do that? But actually, you know, you probably can do a lot more than than you realise and sometimes you just need the pressure of a deadline or a pressure of being asked to do something to actually get you to do it and I think I've, I've discovered that about myself is that I, I work very well under pressure and sometimes if the deadline is far too long it just doesn't incentivize me enough to do the work so <laughs> I know that's probably not going to work for everyone but that's how I like to do things. In most cases I've managed to uh, pull things off yeah there's some pieces maybe that I think if I had a bit more time I could have um, actually you know made it go in a different direction or I could have like changed things slightly but again you, you you can only do the best you can do and I try and do my best for each client most of the time when I record these podcasts we're not looking at each other but because Mel and I feel like we knew each other we we connected on video today but she did say to me, when it comes to the lying bit, I just can't lie face to face. So she has now covered <laughs> her webcam. Okay, so it's that bit where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay, I've jumped off one of the highest buildings in Southeast Asia. I was born in Wales and I speak Welsh. And I've been known to beat people up in my sleep. <laughs> what what was the you you jumped off the tallest building in south asia or something was it southeast asia one of the tallest buildings in southeast asia what's the tallest building what what, what was it this was the macau tower in macau which is a little island not far from hong kong which is where you know we lived it was a sky jump so it was a bungee jump they do bungee jumps off the a skyscraper yeah it's like a skyscraper but it's got a very very tall point and it's 233 meters okay and was that for charity or just for the hell of it no that was just for my birthday so <laughs> <laughs> so you can speak welsh yeah hello steve brinauda meldui that's i am mel but but boroda yeah do you, know, uh, somebody taught me something Welsh when I was at u university. It was something like VRT Mokhndi. Okay. What does that mean? I'm not sure, actually. Hmm. <laughs> now, is that because you don't speak Welsh or because I was drunk at a party and she was dressed as a nurse? Now, 
and you fight in your sleep. Yes. I've not heard of the, I mean, obviously sleepwalking. <laughs> so totally unaware you might beat up the person next to you. Yeah, I've been known to, like, all through, you know, growing up, I sleepwalk and sleep talk. And um, my <laughs> my uh, husband, obviously, is the one who found out, you know, that I, I do this. <laughs> so He found out the hard way. Yeah, he did. So, yeah, I think it was one night that I said, there's a snake in my bed! <laughs> and then just basically beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, you, you seem so lovely... Um, mild-mannered but I quite like the idea of that coming out of you while you sleep Welsh I've often wondered about your accent now I'm thinking yes you do sound Welsh but does that mean but does that mean you can speak Welsh although in Wales they do love to teach you Welsh don't they they do that they're very proud of the Welsh language so that could well be true the bit about the jumping off the building, which didn't quite make sense, was when I said it was a skyscraper and you said, yes, but it had a point. And I was like, but yeah. I'm thinking if you bungee jumped off a point, you would just bang into whatever was below. Like that just doesn't, it would have to be an inverted point. So I'm just going to say the bungee jump is the lie. No. Oh! <laughs> Guess which one? You, you're not Welsh. You don't speak Welsh. Yeah, that's the lie. There's going to be lots of, um, well, if there's Welsh speakers, I'm really sorry. (laughs) I would have said said some of that really wrong. Are are you Welsh? I was brought up in Newport in South Wales, but I was born in London, but I only lived in London for six weeks. All your life you've been on the move. I'm now realising in this story. (laughs) Uh, Interesting. Yes, you, you do have the Welsh lilt, but you never learn Welsh. Which I knew, I, do you know, I even asked you what that Welsh phrase meant. I know. It is something to do with a dirty pig. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Uh, and if it's not and I've offended someone, then absolutely, I am so, so sorry if I just said something incredibly offensive. But I remember there was this Welsh girl, she was dressed as a nurse, and there was this other Welsh girl, and she said, you should go up to her and say this to her. And so I did. But turned out she'd absolutely set me up by calling this girl a dirty pig. Well, yeah, and I did jump off the tower. You, you should look it up. Look at Macau Tower, and you'll see how it's built. So it's not like a, it's not like a straight skyscraper. It actually goes like that. Oh, now you're showing me more like a convex kind of arch kind of thing, more like a wine glass kind of f- feeling. Exactly. So it, it was your dodgy description that f- threw I me know. off the scent. Yeah, oh, should have trusted my Welsh. Okay, now if you could. Tell your younger self one thing about being freelance. What would that be? Get one good idea and then persist and stick with it. Ooh. So have there been times when you've had one good idea and you've thought about giving up? Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe that's why I've had my path has been so kind of like this. And and I've got to learn to maybe just once I have that idea, I have to actually persevere and follow it through. And sometimes that takes a lot of effort to do that because, you know, obviously if you don't see results straight away, you think you you begin to doubt yourself. And sometimes you've actually got to go through that hard graft and just stick with it. And that's where I've seen with illustration, like I've been doing it, you know, since 2012. And I feel the more that I 
go into it and stick with it, I start seeing the fruit. And I think if I'd known that maybe right back <laughs> in 2002, I'd known about it then, I probably, my path may look a little bit different. But yeah, I'm, I'm grateful though for the journey I've had. And I, again, you've got to appreciate where you've come from, I guess, and how things have led to where you are now. But I still think, yeah, persevering with something is important. Mel, it's been such a joy to finally speak to you. Thanks so much for coming on. Go to beingfreelance.com and check out Mel's work and also her YouTube channel and follow it on Instagram and all those sort of things. That's at beingfreelance.com. While you're there as well, check out the community and the shop. Oh, and the events as well, like the live 200th episode in London later this year. So yeah, all of that is at beingfreelance.com. And if you're a freelance parent and you've not checked it out yet for doing it for the kids' podcast is the other podcast that I do that I co-host with Frankie from the doing it for the kids community so it's it's only short it's only like 20 minutes it's like an agony aunt style imagine agony aunts who who swear a bit too much and don't really know what they're talking about and eat too many chocolates it's that kind of thing and that is called the doing it for the kids podcast I'll see you over there as well but for now Mel thank you so much and all the best being freelance thanks Steve it's been a pleasure to talk to you 